Welcome to Stories That Stick. I love crime books. So I love reading stuff that was just kind of told you what people were. So crime is about what we really want to do. A podcast series about the stories that shape us. A young gay boy from Wyoming was beaten up and left for dead. And I remember just crying my eyes out. And it was the first time that I understood that my gayness meant danger. When all is said and done. I'm not here to be playing no game when it comes to that racial shit. I am for my people and that's it, period. It is only the stories that matter. Suddenly Nelson Mandela walked through and he said, I haven't heard a baby cry in like 28 years. And he was like, can I hold your baby? And mum was like, of course. And he said, your baby is the future of the world. It's Ade here, your host for Stories That Stick podcast. Now guys, I have been on summer break, so do forgive the fact that there hasn't been an episode for almost a month. And although I'm not completely back yet, because we're still working on new episodes, I figured it'll be nice to continue our best of series from the last time we left it, which was on the 19th of January, where we revisited episode 13 to 16. Now let's kick things off with episode 17. And we have Gemma Caney, who's a broadcaster and her work can be seen and heard on the Sound Odyssey on BBC4 and the Leisure Society on BBC6. Now, what I loved about this interview is the light that Gemma has in spite of some of her adversities. And I figured we might as well play the clip on one of the struggles. Also, growing up with some sort of public profile is a lot of pressure. Yeah. I suddenly became aware of how I looked more than ever. The politics get in, you know, and the unfairness gets in and you realise that actually to be a woman who has never really shaped like, their identity yet and is doing that publicly is really gruff and to be judged and to be open to criticism in such a way. I remember getting emails when I first started on One Extra saying, like, you're not black enough, you don't know enough about black music, you're a disgrace because you like haven't combed your hair. Like, this is real. Mm. That happened. But when I was going into schools with kids and they say, I just want to be famous, it's like, do you know what that means and what do you want from that? Like, famous for what? Yeah. How, how do you answer that when kids say that? Because you wanted to be famous once upon a time, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. So what do you tell those kids now that you know what you do know? That it's not the be all and end all to be adored. It's not the one. And also that, that I've never done any of this for money, but I would say to young people now that money does not buy happiness. I know rich people and not all of them are happy. And now let's hear her childhood favourite story. The Magic Faraway Books. Mm. Why did this book have, at this particular period, a huge impact on your life? Oh, The Magic Faraway Tree. See, it, it all comes back to this escapism, really, I think. Tell us about it, because most people might not know about these books. Okay, so Enid Blyton is a classic writer, I think from the 40s. I might be wrong. The Magic Faraway Tree is a particular series which is based on a group of friends that climb a tree for fun. And when they get up to the top of the tree, 
There's a different land every single time. There's a land where they come across an abundance of sweets. It's all about how many sweets they're tempted to eat and what happens to them if they are too gluttonous. And it's just a really fun series of stories and really quite psychedelic. So there's a character called Moonface who's just a really fun, cute guy that has a, has a moon for a face, as you do. I've always loved silliness and humour and I quite like the ridiculous and the absurd. Guys, Gemma is amazing, so please do go show her some love by following her on Twitter at Kane. And you spell that G-E-M-C-A-I-R-N, at Jem Kane. Next up, episode 18 with Roy Alexander-Rice, who is half director and CEO of Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. Now, the clip I'm about to choose just shows the importance of youth clubs, because if not for the youth club in Oval, Roy wouldn't be the man he is today. Um, they were really into music and my older cousin Charles, he used to produce like house music. So I'd mess about and make tracks with them. Amazing. I wonder, does any of them exist? Did you put it up on like SoundCloud or something? No, it wasn't that deep. But if I ever did release any of this music, I would hope that nobody would notice me. (laughs) Okay, I'm hearing you. We're still in secondary school. And you're thinking potentially career-wise to go into music because you had a passion for it. Mm, I was thinking to do that. I mean, it's really interesting because I kind of started to go to Oval House whilst I was in secondary school. I wasn't really into drama, but they did a music programme there. So I was doing a bit of the music producing there. And then in year 11, my mum got really ill, like very suddenly, and then she passed away. And everything just kind of stopped. But having been at the youth theatre and told some of the people what was happening, I then got kind of persuaded to do a play. And it was a play called Chat Room by a writer called Ender Walsh. So this is where the story that you wrote for the prompt, Chat Room, comes in. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. For those who don't know, can you give us, I guess, a brief synopsis, an overview of the play? Of Chat Room. Yeah, of Chat Room. So Chat Room is um, a story about a boy called Jim. It's set in Ireland and every scene of the play is set in an online chat room with other teenagers. At first it feels as if Jim has come to make friends with people, but you quickly realise that the reason that Jim is there is because Jim, he's really struggling to deal with some stuff emotionally he's got a really terrible relationship with his mum and ultimately like his dad left and when his dad left he basically left him in the middle of a a zoo so he had this really horrible scarring moment that he was trying to navigate and the thing that happens there are some other kids that start to convince him that the thing that he wants to do is commit suicide online so it's a really, really dark story, but it's it's really funny as well. 
and the thing that it turns out that actually Jim just wants a moment to be a child again because he feels like he was asked to grow up way too fast. And I could see how that ran parallel with your reality at the time. Exactly, yeah. And also in my like mid-teens was when I guess the personal relationship, I would say, with my dad was becoming a bit difficult. Now, guys, don't go sleeping on Roy and instead do go show some support by attending any of the shows put on at a theatre. God knows they've suffered due to COVID. And also follow him on Twitter at R.A. Rice Artists. Now, let me spell that for you. R-A-W-E-I-S-E Artists, all one word. Yeah, Roy's, Roy's the truth. So next up, we have episode 19 with Alan Kamara, a hip-hop artist and storyteller, and boy can he tell stories. The clip I selected was simply how he came from Sierra Leone to face racism in the UK when he was young. And, like most of us, then, we opted not to speak to our parents but seek guidance from the media we consumed. In his case, a lot of hip-hop. Here's the clip. There weren't normal storytellers around the campfire, but my cousin Obwe introduced us to hip-hop. So now we're now introduced to this evolved style of storytelling. We're talking Tupac, KRS-One. We're talking NWA. So when these situations are happening on the streets with us, with these people throwing stuff or saying racial slurs or the police uh, stopping us at young age, we knew because we'd heard it in the rap songs. We knew what it was. So going home and talking about it, like for us, we in our heads, like, our mom ain't got time for this. Her thing is, hey, you people, have you done your homework? Like, that was their focus. So for us, we just internalised it. Mm. For those of you who are coming to this podcast brand new, I genuinely always am quite interested in the stories yeah. that they heard as a child, a teenager, and adult. So I normally just ask them those three questions. And Alim, do you recall what you said as a child, one of your funnest stories that you read or heard? Yeah, um, Anansi and the Calabash. So the story of Anansi and the Calabash, Anansi decides one day that he wants all of the wisdom in the world. And so he gets all of the wisdom in the world and he puts them into this calabash and he ties the calabash in front of him but as he's climbing the tree his son comes along and says papa why don't you put the bowl on your back and so and nancy feels like hold on i'm supposed to have all of the wisdom in this bowl how is this boy and he gets frustrated and as a result ends up dropping the calabash bowl and it falls to the ground, smashes and scatters all over the world. And that's how we all have a little piece of wisdom within us. Alan is such a great storyteller and he is available for motivation and inspirational talks. If you visit his website, Story Story, which is S-T-O-R-I-E, S-T-O-R-I-E dot com, or follow him on Twitter at Alam Kamara for more info. 
So next up, we do have Charlotte Williams, founder of 76 Agency. Now the episode in of itself talks about her dual heritage and how her agency came to be. But I chose this particular clip of her regaling the tale of Elmer the Elephant because she remembered it so vividly. And it also speaks to the fact that stories do matter and we do remember them regardless of our age. Here's the clip. So actually, let's go through that journey and figure out how you are the founder of 76 Agency and the lasting change and impact you want to create within the advertising industry. But what I tend to do with all my guests is just send them a very brief questionnaire about a fun story they've read, heard or watched as a child, a teenager or adult. Do you recall what you wrote? Yeah, I wrote Elmer the Elephant. I remember moving schools because we moved house and I walked into the first class. There was once a herd of elephants. And I sat down elephants and the teacher was reading Elmer the Elephant to the students. He was talking about this elephant that was different, but still grey and had its own differences that made him special. And I think I still didn't get what my issue was, but the message really hit me. And I was like, this elephant sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You felt the elephant was you. But I don't think I realised at the time, but it was. Charlotte, she's an incredible woman and she's doing amazing things within the influencer industry. So do go show her some love by following her on Instagram charlotte76 the word charlotte the word seven the word six all one word as well and yeah just go show some love because we need more people like her within our community and now the last recap for this episode is with david aliku who's an entrepreneur that founded democratic republic which sells coffee and wine and he's soon going to open a cafe in shoreditch so watch this space But I selected this particular clip where David speaks about the history and production of coffee. And then now you've got a new venture, Democratic Republic of Coffee. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. So in terms of how it came about, I love coffee. I always have, especially working in law, you drink copious amounts of it. (laughs) And there was one time I tried this thing where you could make your own roast but when i was picking obviously i was only picking african coffees um and it was amazing and so from that i thought you know let me look for more and i realized that actually you don't have that much access to african coffees here at all you don't really get you know congolese coffee ugandan coffee tanzanian coffee cameroonian coffee all of that here and so that's something that i wanted to fix along the way i think i also became very aware of the colonial history of coffee in Africa and how some coffee producing countries in Africa, coffee isn't even native to that country. It was brought there during colonial times because some of the colonizers enjoyed coffee in the other countries they owned and were like, oh, it would be great to have that in my holiday home, you know, in Rwanda or wherever else. And so they imported that coffee and basically made people start growing it. And now that is one of their biggest agricultural exports. But for some reason, we've also decided that we prefer other types of coffee or we just don't invest enough. You know, we don't support the farmers in those countries at all. And so I think it's just the fact that there's a lot that happens behind the scenes. And I really wanted to do what I can to fix that. I assume when we are purchasing these beans or this coffee, shall I say, 
what's the social arm here? It's a mix of things. One is that we're working through direct trade relationships, which means that basically farmers know that they can always get under a fair trade agreement, a fixed amount for their crop. Mm -hmm. However, the issue is that that amount is always fixed. No matter how good the crop is, no matter if they decide to invest in improving the facilities that they have, they're not going to get any more for that. What ends up happening is that because they get a fixed price, when they do produce premium crop, the exporters sell that crop at a premium rate. So basically the profit is made by exporters and by the companies that end up taking it rather than by the farmers. The farmers get nothing additional for that. So I guess it's partly built into the structure in terms of what the the social aspect is. It's literally the fact that all of the profits from the fact that these beans are more premium and they are, you know, better crop, that is being passed on to the farmers directly, contractually. Um, But then also beyond that, um, something I wanted to do is working a lot with African creatives across the continent. And so, for example, our label design is being done by creatives in South Africa. Photography is being done by photographers in Ghana. And we're working with creatives in Malawi. We're working with creatives in other countries. So I want the entirety of the brand to be a cohesive collaborative effort where we can economically provide for and incentivize you know business people because they're all business people and i don't want it to be just a charity thing i don't want to just give people shoes because those shoes you wear them today that's not feeding your family tomorrow now like with all my guests david also is a truly amazing and wonderful person so do go check him out on twitter and you'll be signposted to the rest of the amazing work that he does his twitter handle is at deliku which is spelled D-E-L-I-K-W-U. Okay, guys, now that's all we have for this week's Best Of, but please do check out the full episodes respectively. And if you'd like to be featured on Stories That Stick, please do get in touch with us via email, contactblacticulate.com. Hope you have a lovely week, and we'll see you in two weeks' time for more recaps. Bye.